Parts? O'Reilly Auto Parts has parts. Need them fast? We've got fast. No matter what you need, we have thousands of professional parts people doing their part to make sure you have it. Product availability. Just one part that makes O'Reilly stand apart. The professional parts people. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good that's the powerful backing of American Express see how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex, eligible American Express card required, benefits vary by card and by venue terms apply Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch. Subject to credit approval. Terms apply. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. Winter is coming. Heavy rain, sleet, snow, and ice. Are your tires up for the challenge? Tread confidently in winter's worst with a set of new tires from Tire Rack. They sell only the best, like the full line of Yokohama tires. Go to TireRack.com sports. Tell them what you drive. Your tires will ship fast and free to you or one of over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Thanks for listening to the best of Outkick the Coverage podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning from 6 to 9 a.m. Eastern, 3 to 6 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for Outkick the Coverage at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every morning on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of Outkick the Coverage with Clay Travis on Fox Sports Radio. We have got a lot to dive into. There is all sorts of drama surrounding what might happen in the NFL draft. Uh, the uh, the crazy Euro Super uh, Super Soccer League that everybody was so excited about. Um, it lasted about two days and then fell completely apart. And everybody is running as rapidly as they can in the opposite direction from uh, from that universe. And so uh, there's much to discuss there. Again, so much NFL drama as we get closer and closer now, eight days away from the official start of the NFL drama and uh, the NFL draft, obviously, Thursday night. And right now, it is basically a dead heat between Justin Fields and Mac Jones over who the San Francisco 49ers are going to take. And that is by far the linchpin for the 2021 NFL draft. What is going to happen at three? Because if the 49ers go Justin Fields, there may not be a run on quarterbacks. If the 49ers go Mac Jones, there may be a run on quarterbacks. All bets are out the window as to who is picking, what teams may try to move up. Rumors now that the Broncos love Justin Fields. What might happen with the Washington football team? There are a lot of different fun parts of the NFL draft that we are going to continue to unpack as to what is going to happen there. Uh, And also, we may dive into some of the Denver Bronco quarterback futility. Going to also break down for you, there are three wide receivers that everybody seems pretty excited about. 
in terms of who is going to be the first wide receivers taken. And then there's kind of an interesting drop-off. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle are all really highly sought-after wide receivers. But then there's a real uncertainty as to who else could be good. But what does the data tell us about first-round wide receivers versus second-round wide receivers? I'm going to dive into that with all of you. But right off the top here, I think we need to acknowledge that hopefully the right result was reached in the Derek Chauvin case and that we are going to move forward, hopefully, this is me putting on my lawyer hat now, in a system of justice in the United States where your race, your gender, your religion, and your ethnicity do not factor in to the outcome of court cases. And I, you guys know this. Unless I have spent an inordinate amount of time studying and watching and seeing every bit of evidence that the jury has seen, I try to avoid diving into the particulars of a case unless I'm as well-informed as I possibly could be. So I'm not going to break down the larger construct of uh, the Chauvin case. But I would say this. I hope that this is a furtherance of what should be the ultimate goal of the American judicial system. And let me say this as a lawyer. The American judicial system, because it is created by men, is flawed. Everything that man has ever created in the history of mankind is flawed because all of us are imperfect. But the American justice justice system is the envy of the world in the way that we have applied uh, the, the law to our country. Does not mean that it has always been flawless. Certainly it is not. Does not mean that the American justice system has been without bias. Certainly it is not. But I believe that over time, the American justice system has become more just. And I would hope that that is going to continue to be the case. As I have said many times on this program, my goal is to treat everybody the exact same. I don't believe in identity politics. I don't believe in treating somebody better or worse based on how they look, who they love, who they worship, what their background is. I don't believe in it. I don't believe in separating people based on race, religion, ethnicity, sexuality, none of it, okay? But Lady Justice is blind for a reason. Because the goal is, if you've ever seen the scales of justice, the goal is to measure the facts and render the appropriate justice. And I hope that we are moving towards a more perfect union as it pertains to that. Some of you are going to say, why even mention this? Well, because the justice system has become inextricably intertwined in many ways with the larger discussion of politics and uh, social issues that have become embedded in our sports leagues. My hope, and I've been saying this for a long time, and I will continue to say it, my hope is that sports can be a uniting as opposed to a dividing uh, element in this country. I would say right now, there is often very divisive discussion that surrounds sports. My hope is that sports can be a place where people, as I've said for a long time, when you are in an arena or you are in a stadium and your favorite team scores, wins a game, you don't think about any of the things that make you different with everybody else in that stadium and arena. You think about your common humanity and the fact that you're all cheering for the same team. And I think we need more of that in America, not less. 
And so my hope is that in the months and the years ahead, and certainly we've had a lot of divisive ones over the last five or six years that we've been doing this show, that sports can become more of a unifying factor than a dividing factor in this country. And so uh, those are my thoughts on uh, the Derek Chauvin case, on the George Floyd uh, uh, murder trial, everything that is surrounding that. And again, I'm not putting my lawyer hat on here and dissecting the prosecution and the defense attorneys and everybody else because, frankly, I did not watch enough of the trial or cover it enough as a person who was reading the transcripts and everything else. I don't trust a lot of times as a lawyer, being frank, I always want to read the transcripts myself because when I practice law, one of the things that I learned is there's only three things that matter in every case. The facts, the facts, the facts. And very often the media does not focus on the things that are the most important as uh, as a lawyer, what I would focus on. So I always like to look at the transcripts. I always look like to look at the totality of a case. I have not analyzed it, so I'm not sitting here saying this was a, a good prosecutorial decision. This was a bad defense attorney decision. Uh, I haven't seen that enough. Now, when cases directly implicate the world of sports, Deshaun Watson, for instance, I, I cover that in an aggressive manner. So I try not to miss anything. If Deshaun Watson's tri- case goes to trial, uh, if that story continues to evolve, trust me on this, I will be plugged in on that because there's a major sports component to that story. Same thing, by the way, with OJ. Uh, back in the day, and this was before I was a lawyer, I was just a kid, uh, but I was fascinated by the O.J. Simpson trial, as I'm sure many of you were, uh, and O.J. Simpson obviously being a former star athlete, uh, I was locked in, and if we ever have a case like that, even the Aaron Hernandez uh, trial, I was pretty locked in and paying attention to that in a significant way, uh, but I hope that this leads towards a more just America as I hope that every single case that goes in front of a jury does, um, in that I believe that ultimately the single most important thing we can do in this country is treat everybody the exact same in a court of law. Now, it's not going to (laughs) happen, candidly, because one of the most important things in a court of law is how much money you have. And the more uh, money you have, the better attorneys you can end up being able to hire and the better legal representation you can get. And uh, I don't foresee that changing in the future, but I would hope that what distinguishes outcomes is not race, gender, ethnicity, uh, or religion in any way. So this story, uh, I'm glad that it appears that most of the country, this is what I was most concerned about, most of the country, it does not appear that there were any riots, any major, uh, any major sort of uh, injuries or uh, negative consequences for many different states and cities out there. Uh, And I would hope that this would instill some more faith in the American judicial system, which I believe, again, while it is imperfect, is the single best judicial system that has ever existed in the history of the world. I really do believe that. And that is coming from someone who has studied the law. People want to pick apart everything about the judicial system. I'll I'll never tell you that it's perfect. It never will be. Because, again, it's created by men. But I do think that the United States justice system is the envy of the world, and I think that's justifiably the case. This is Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis. 
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts, you know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, Tool to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. Hey, it's Jonas Knox, and who doesn't want better sex? But if you have ED, you may be struggling and dragging your feet on solving the problem. Don't put off having a better sex life any longer. Check out Hymns Sex Shoes and bring a new level of excitement and confidence to your sex life. The process is simple and 100% online, no uncomfortable doctor's visits. No insurance is needed. Pay one low price for your treatments, online visits, ongoing shipments, and provider messaging. Hymns has hundreds of thousands of trusted subscribers, so if ED is getting getting you down it's time to change that start your free online visit today at hymns.com slash two pros that's h-i-m-s.com slash two pros for your personalized ed treatment options hymns.com slash two pros prescriptions require an online consultation with a healthcare provider who will determine if appropriate restrictions apply see website for details and important safety information subscription required price varies based on product and subscription plan sex choose are compounded products and have not been approved by the FDA. The FDA does not verify the safety or effectiveness of compounded drugs. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Bridgestone tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended and 
installer near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation. They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. It doesn't get much easier than that. Go to TireRack.com sports to see their Bridgestone test results, tire ratings, and consumer reviews. And be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires and a great deal. What more could you ask for? That's TireRack.com sports. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Much to dive into with Jeff Schwartz, but first... What did you think of the Virgin Islands? Did you guys have a good time down in uh, St. Thomas and on St. John? Yes. Yeah, so for – and actually, a listener of your show, I did your show Monday, last Monday with Jonas. Yeah. And I said I had a problem. I said, look, I have a problem. I I, I was supposed to go to Turks and Caicos, and my son's passport had expired. I need some help. And I think it was one of your listeners tweeted me like, "Hey, go to go to St. Thomas, go to you know, the, the the Virgin Islands. You don't need a passport." I was like, "That's genius!" I called my wife and we got to such a St. Thomas. It was great, man. We yeah. had the most fun. It was our first time with the kids on like a big international trip. They remember we went to St. Martin like four years ago. Uh, we had we did jet skiing. My four year old daughter went parasailing. That was her idea. She loved it. We rented a boat for the day. Uh, that was someone snorkeling and did all the tours of the, the kind of the surrounding areas. We did, you know, kayaking and water sports and pool. We got it in, man. It was, it was very beautiful. It was easy. It was so easy. No passport, obviously. Um, people were very kind and friendly. We loved it. Yeah, I, you know, I'm still licensed in the Virgin Islands uh, as an attorney because that's where I went to practice right after I graduated from law school. So um, and did you get over to St. John? So we, we took the, the boat tour, took us around St. John, but we didn't yep. actually dock there. So we got to see, like, the old sugar cane mill yep. and kind of the houses. Like, the houses are, like, ridiculous. I mean, there was yes. one on, like, the, the, the like a corner of a bay that's, like, $28 million. It was, yeah. like, it was crazy to see. I mean, Kenny Chesney had a house, like, on top of the hill that was still being built, you know, rebuilt from a hurricane, and there was a resort that was got torn apart. It was, we saw the whole island just not, we didn't go to St. John and set Yeah, St. John is utopia for people out there. I mean, the, the huge percentage of St. John is a national park uh, that the Rockefellers yeah. bought back in the day. So there's relatively few developed parts of St. John, um, and at least, I haven't done the official census since then, but I mean, it's small, right? St. Thomas has 50,000 people on it. Uh, St. Croix has about 50,000 people on it, and uh, and St. John has around 5,000 people on it. So you're talking about all three United States Virgin Islands only having like a population of around 100,000. And so uh, it is, uh, it's a tiny, you know, place in terms of uh in terms of number of people who live there but it is truly uh beautiful so uh i'm glad you, i haven't been back down in a long time i want to go back uh and check it out particularly st john at some point but uh, but you and your family you had a good time it was it was great and you know and, and st john i would imagine probably not full capacity i mean people have those houses there they probably just come for a month at a time and, and leave and go live somewhere else so yeah it was I think we're going to go back. Like, it was just, it was easy. It was an easy trip. The Ritz was great. Um, and we had a good time. Nonstop from Charlotte, right? You can fly right in. That's where yeah, I used great. to go. Th- yeah, I used to go great. through there uh, all the time uh, when I would come back and forth between Nashville. We'd have to stop in Charlotte or Miami would be the uh, the location that often happened. Uh, all right. So let's go into the NFL draft. I was just talking about 
how I like to watch the odds market and the way that it moves and what exactly is uh, is uh, is going to be considered to be uh, the expectation. And we know what's going on yeah. at one and two, but what the 49ers are going to do at three, the odds market from a gambling perspective has wobbled a lot of different directions. And basically, at this point, we're at a 50-50 line, the odds market would tell us, between Justin Fields and Mac Jones. Justin Fields was the favorite after his second pro day, uh, and now Mac Jones is kind of coming back a little bit. What do you think the 49ers are going to do? And second part of that question, do you think Kyle Shanahan knows what he's going to do at this point? Well, let's throw the, the second one first. I think that's important. So when you trade up to three, you have an idea, basically, that you're going to choose between Mac Jones, Justin Fields, and Trey Lance. Right? Like you, I don't think you make that, that trade without knowing who you want because you know that Zach Wilson is probably not going to be there. Uh, and maybe you do like Zach Wilson enough that if he falls to three, he'll take him the offseason. You know, Trevor Lawrence already tweeting about Jacksonville. Like he knows he's going to Jacksonville. Um, we all know he's going to Jacksonville. So I think you make the trade up to three, knowing who you want. Now, the question, obviously, is, is who you want. And, you know, those odds markets, it's really interesting because, you know, I think they're just trying to take money from both sides, which obviously is the goal. You know, it just flips based on who is at someone's pro day or, like, or, or what news there is. I, to me, here's the way I look at this, Clay, is that people say this. They say this. Kyle Shanahan's offense is so good it turns a Matt Ryan into MVP candidate, who, by the way, is actually a really good quarterback and has elite traits. Not very mobile, obviously, but has an elite-level arm. It takes a guy like Cousins and turns him into a Metro football player. Jimmy G, right, an average trade guy probably to an above-average quarterback in 2019. So, therefore, because they've taken these guys that don't have elite traits to, you know, to become – you know, upper echelon quarterbacks, that Matt Jones fits that. Matt Jones fits a guy that out of all the quarterbacks at the top of this draft doesn't have the top-end traits, doesn't have the top-end, uh, you know, top-end, maybe elite uh, elite upside. And so we're going to take Matt Jones because we know we can get him to play well in this offense. But wouldn't you want to take the guy who has elite talents, elite arm, you know, arm talent, elite all this, because that should make him even better in your offense because your offense is really simple on quarterbacks. So I don't understand the idea that they should take a lesser talented quarterback because it's just going to work well in the offense. Why do you take the more talented quarterback? We saw this year Aaron Rodgers got a chance to play with Matt LaFleur in Green Bay in sort of this offense, the Shanahan offense. He was the MVP. So to me, again, the idea that you draft a lesser trade guy because it's worked with with lesser trait guys before, well, it should work with guys who have great traits. And so I think Justin Fields should be the pick or Trey Lance. They have better arm talent than Mac Jones. They're more mobile than Mac Jones. Um, and, you know, they didn't play in this kind of you know system where you have the best offensive line in the country. You have three draftable wide receivers. You have a first-round running back. Like They didn't get to play in this perfect system in college. And so, to me, those are the two guys you take ahead of Mac Jones. I think it will be Justin Fields. Okay, if you are the Broncos, how do you think they're following this? Because there's talk that they may be interested in trading up, but they really can't make an official decision until they know who's actually going to be available. Uh, So the presumption seems to be that they like Justin Fields and that they would be interested in potentially coming up to four. So I want to give you the hypotheticals here. Let's presume you said you think they're going to take Justin Fields, but let's say they take Mac Jones. And you are the yeah. Broncos, and you are committed to the idea of getting up uh, there as rapidly as you can to grab Justin Fields yourself. 
What do the Falcons do? Because if you look at the Falcons, and if they're convinced right now that Kyle Pitts is the best fit for them, are you willing to trade back and end up with somebody who isn't the best fit for you? Or if you're the Falcons, do you say, you know what, I appreciate the fact that there may be interest here, but given our current situation, the Falcons seem fairly solid at wide receiver, right? This is a deep wide receiver draft, so they don't necessarily want a wide receiver, and they may love Kyle Pitts. So how do you value that if you are the Falcons, and especially if you're a first-year coach and a first-year GM, where you know Kyle Pitts is going to be a home run. If you trade back to nine, you're not sure you love anybody there uh, where the Broncos are. What do you decide yeah. to do? So the Falcons have their most fun in the draft, at least right now, what they can do, right? So you know, a lot of it hinges on what to do with Matt Ryan. If they feel that Matt Ryan still has a couple years left, I think he does. And we saw what Arthur Smith did with Ryan Tannehill. Now you have Matt yeah. Ryan who – you know, can still throw the ball. That's not a problem. Um, you know, not very mobile, obviously, but you don't need a mobile quarterback to run the offense Arthur Smith wants to run. Um, and so if they determine that Matt Ryan is their guy for the next couple of years, which I think they should make that determination, then number four, they should trade out of number four. I think you're going to get uh, you know, a godfather offer from the Broncos to move to four or the Panthers possibly. I know they have Darnold. Or, you know, let's talk about Washington really wanting – Trey Lance or Justin Fields as well. Um, to me, you make that trade at four, you move back, and you really never go wrong moving back. You can still get yourself a great player um, at, at 12 or 9 or 8, wherever you want to move back to. You know, they need help on defense. Get a Patrick Sertain or get the kid from a horn, the, the corner from South Carolina. Um, yeah, Kyle Pitts would be great. I, I, I don't think anyone would pass up on on the idea of how great he would be, but you need draft picks. You, you need to, to continue to build that roster up. And to me, training out of four is the way to go. Now, if they determine that they want a quarterback and just stay at four and draft Justin Fields if he's there or Trey Lance if he's there, but I think it'd be smart to, to back out of four, get more draft picks, get more assets, and get yourself a defensive player later in the first round. What do you think the Bengals are going to do? You know offensive linemen well. Panay Sewell, obviously, is from Oregon where you went. If you were the Bengals, I I know that Joe Burrow has a really good relationship with Jamar Chase, uh, who is expected to be the first wide receiver off the board. But if you are the Bengals, do you feel like they have to go offensive line, given that Joe Burrow was obviously beaten up quite a bit in his rookie year and suffered what was a pretty devastating knee injury that it appears, to his credit, he's going to be able to be back from? Um, At least he's posing in the new uniform reveals, and he seems like he's uh, pretty much fully recovered. Uh, but in your mind, is the Bengals having to go offensive line like a foregone conclusion? Well, the research has shown, and, I, and if you, you can just look at it, I mean, without even kind of research, but just you know, with your own eyes and, and what you're, you know, knowing the history of the draft, it's much harder to find an elite level tackle later in the draft. You can find elite yeah. level wide receivers all through the draft. And in fact, the Bengals, there's a good. Sorry to cut you off, but the, I, I'm going to talk about this at some point this week. If I don't do it today, I've got some graphics. There's virtually no difference between the receivers that have gone in the first round and the receivers that have gone in the second round in terms of production. Yeah. In fact, I'll hit you with this right now. I'm glad you brought it up because I do think there's a, there's a unpacking of this little nugget that I grabbed to be able to talk about this week, and maybe I'll do it uh, right after you as well. Um, but when you actually look at the numbers here, uh, Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, Brandon Cooks, uh, Marquise Brown, and Odell Beckham. Uh, those are the first-round wide receivers of late that have been the most productive. 
second round wide receivers that have been the most productive. Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Debo Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry. To me, the second round guys are more productive over the last five years of the draft than the first round guys. Yeah, and, and and I think even the first wide receiver taken every year is not ends up you know does not end up being the best wide receiver. We saw last year obviously Henry Ruggs go the first to the Raiders, and you know the Raiders I don't think anyone would, would say they're the best drafting team in the world, but they took him as the first guy, and then you end up with you know Justin Jefferson being the best wide receiver you know, at least in year one. Um, so to me, it's draft the offensive lineman. I know Bengals fans say, hey, we signed Riley Reef, yes, but you signed Riley Reef to a one year backup deal, one year seven million dollars is what you pay a backup offensive lineman who's a veteran. You don't pay that guy to be your starting left tackle. So I, to me, it's about protecting, protecting, protecting Joe Burrow. You can never go wrong having too many good offensive linemen. There's literally nothing bad happens to your team if you have too many good offensive linemen. You can have too many good wide receivers, and you don't win football games. You need to have the offensive line set. I would draft Benet Sewell um, at number five and draft a wide receiver in the second round. Do you like the way that the draft is broken up now? I got to admit, I love it. The Thursday first round, because I think it leads to a lot of drama starting off the second round uh, where people can sit around and say, oh, this guy's still out there. And I think it gives teams a a chance to take a breath and decide to reset their draft board and everything else. It's not as much of a frenzy. So you got the Thursday uh, first round, second and third on Friday, and then the rest of the draft on Saturday. Uh, I think it's a vast improvement, even though I've always been a draft junkie and I used to like to sit down and watch it kind of all day, Saturday, Sunday. I think this the NFL has kind of hit on a gold mine here. I think it's great because um, the first night of the draft, it's so hectic, right? I mean, no, we know the first pick is, and of course, the thing I hate about it though is that Jacksonville's going to take all ten minutes of yeah. the first, you know, the first it is time they're allowed to, yes. to, to turn yeah. the ticket for television the ratings pick, purposes. Then, yeah. yeah, yes, yes, and then and the, and the Jets will take all ten minutes to pick their guy. So, you know, to to me, it's a perfect event for television, right? Because um, you have the drama, you the have clock. you know the, the the clock. You know, the, 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 you know, the, the fan base is in there. I'm glad it's going to be back in. I, I think the, the addition of putting it in different cities has been a great, you know, great for, you know, we saw what happened in Nashville a couple of years ago. It's been huge. It's been a great idea. Cleveland's going to love having the draft in their town. Uh, and I, I love it. I think it's great. Again, there's, if you do the, you know, the first two rounds on the one night like, like it used to be, I think you lose kind of the luster of the first round, the drama in it. And it's exhausting. Like, I'll be covering it for, for Fox Sports on the digital side. Like, it's a long night. It's a four-hour, yeah. five-hour draft. And to have a second round on top of that is just makes it even worse. So I love the way it's done now. Round one, then the next two rounds on Friday, and the rest of the draft. On Saturday, the NFL, man, NFL, you know, people hate on the NFL. I get it. You know, some people don't like the way it's run, but they have found ways to maximize. Um, and I, I think they're going to have huge ratings this year. You look around uh, the sports world, ratings have been down across the board, I think. But I think it's going to be a huge, huge night for the NFL on, on Thursday. You have talked, I believe, to a lot of the different offensive linemen in this draft um, as part of your uh, the, the sort of sit-down that you're doing with a lot of these different guys. Who have you met and you're like, oh, man, like you can watch them on tape, but you're like, this dude is going to be a really, really interesting addition to a locker room. He's going to fit in well. Like who impressed you the most 
just kind of from a sit down and have a conversation with them in conjunction with the tape that you saw as well. Yeah, so there's a, a D3 kid from Wisconsin Whitewater, Quinn Miners, and um, he had to he had to pay to go to training camp. He had to pay $350 to go play football in the summer because they had to pay for, like, you know, like a spirit pack, essentially, right? Like, they had to pay money to play football. And this kid um, loves ball. And, you know, he, he, in the offseason, he'd go to his, his uncle's, like, you know, uh, island, and he would lift uh, – he'd work on his, his, like, little bed and breakfast, and he would lift lumber and gas cans and, like, do all this work around the – he just he like he just loves ball. Um, a little undersized, six two ish, um, but dude, if you draft him, you're gonna love his energy. You're gonna love his work ethic. He's a guy that that wants it, right? He comes from a D three school. He played really great at the Senior Bowl, like out of nowhere. He didn't play the entire season. He didn't. They didn't have a season in D three. And yep. the Senior Bowl played really well. He's a guy that that you're gonna want to root for. The other guy too. Um, Where might Trace he go? From, from, Where might he go by? By the way, Quinn. He, he, He's probably a, he's probably a second round pick. Uh, he'll yeah. play center somewhere. You know, centers centers most often, and we've seen more centers go in the first round lately. But most centers go in the second round and third round, especially the the, the top. this year. Maybe Landon Dickerson or Creed Humphreys kind of creeps up there. Uh, possibly Landon, if he if he didn't tear his ACL from Alabama, he probably is a first round pick. And he played guard as well, which helps. I mean, his projection. Uh, so Quinn's probably a second round pick, third round pick, depending on kind of where the centers end up going. Um, and then, you know, Trey Smith from Tennessee, who I'm sure you know pretty well, um, you know, his story with his, with, his, with his blood clots and his mom passing away, he's a guy you want to root for, man. The, the, the things he did in the community in Tennessee, in Knoxville, his attitude, and again, overcoming a lot of obstacles and adversity. Uh, he's a quiet kid, man. He just, he just pancakes the thing. He's, I love root for Trey. So I, I think those guys are a couple of guys that, you know, that, you know, that maybe not as well known, but have great stories. We'll talk to you next week, my man. I can't wait. Eight days from now, the NFL Draft. Jeff Shorts, appreciate it. Talk to you soon. Love it. Take care, bud. Be sure to catch live editions of Outkick, the coverage with Clay Travis weekdays at 6 a.m. Eastern, 3 a.m. Pacific. I talked about this to start the show, but we got a verdict in the Derek Chauvin case. This is something that would have likely impacted sports in a big way if the verdict had not been guilty. Uh, of all, all of the uh, counts there. Um, and I talked about this in the first hour. I did not watch this uh, trial in earnest, right? Um, and so I'm not going to put my lawyer hat on and analyze the individual aspects of the case because I did not watch the prosecution entirely. I did not watch the defense attorneys entirely. I did not follow this case in a uh, in a really vigorous or rigorous fashion. And so I think it's unfair if you don't watch everything to come on and have some strong opinion about exactly what was said in the courtroom. This is me speaking as a lawyer, not as a uh, person who is out there just watching the, the trial. But I will say this, and I think it's important to say this right off the top. The goal of the American judicial system, and I think I speak for many lawyers out there, hopefully almost all lawyers out there, is for the American judicial system to treat everyone the exact same, regardless of race, religion, ethnicity, uh, sexuality, any identifying characteristic that often gets uh, becomes a major flashpoint in today's identity politics-laden era. And I believe that we are every single day becoming more likely to do that. And I understand 
that there are a lot of people out there obsessed on social media and they want to tell you that the American judicial system can't be trusted and that juries can't be trusted and the judges can't be trusted and the lawyers can't be trusted. And I'm here to tell you that the reason why the American judicial system is the envy of the entire world is not because we're perfect, because we're not, because we are created by man and anything that's created by man is going to be imperfect, but because we are consistently striving to get better. The American judicial system is better now than it was in the 1800s. It's better now than it was in the 1900s. I believe that the American judicial system is getting better at treating everybody the same, regardless of their background, which should be the goal of the American judicial system. And so without diving into all the particulars of the Derek Chauvin case, uh, I do believe that the history of the American judicial system bends towards justice and bends towards righteousness, regardless of your race, your gender, your ethnicity, your religion. Some people disagree with that. As a lawyer, I believe that I have seen the court system and how it works, and uh, I believe that that is the case. I am optimistic on the future of the American judicial system, not pessimistic. All right, putting that aside, much less serious news. And we have been focusing most of the show on much less serious news. Uh, I wanted to hit you with this fact. Uh, As we finished off the second hour of the program, I was talking about wide receivers and the difference between a first and a second round wide receiver uh, in the larger universe of, uh, of the NFL draft. And basically, we've reached the era, at least over the last five years we have, 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, and 19 drafts, six years. Which would you pick? These are the best first-round wide receivers. Calvin Ridley, DJ Moore, Mike Evans, Amari Cooper, Corey Davis, Brandon Cooks, Marquise Brown, Odell Beckham Jr. Those are roughly the eight best wide receivers drafted in the first round. What about the second round? Devontae Adams, A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, Michael Thomas, Allen Robinson, Debo Samuel, Juju Smith-Schuster, Jarvis Landry. I don't know about you, I'd rather have the second round wide receivers over the last uh, six years of the draft at wide receiver than I would the first rounders. Is that going to be the case this year? I don't know, but I think it's something worth keeping in the back of your mind. Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddell seem to be considered to be on a completely different level than every other wide receiver in the NFL, but historically, over the last five, six years, you've been just as good trading back and taking wide receivers later in the second round than you have been taking them right off the top in the first round. All right, Uh, we are going to be joined now. I believe we've got them. Dub, do we have them? We got them. Well, we got a ton to get into, but I want to start here with you. This Deshaun Watson defense. Um, You are a a Texas-trained lawyer. You're familiar with Rusty Harden, Tony Busby, but even more than that, like the larger-than-life Uh, personas that some of these Texas lawyers can adopt. I think it's fair to say that both of these guys fit that perspective. I I am just stunned that Deshaun Watson's defense seems to be in this case that 22 different women are lying and he didn't do anything remotely inappropriate. Are you kind of stunned that he's paying? And he's basically calling these women liars. Not basically, he is. Which, as you well know, it makes it even harder to maybe one day settle this case 
because some of these women and their families are going to say, wait a minute, why would we take money from Deshaun Watson after he called us liars? Like, this thing just keeps getting ratcheted up, it seems like, to another level every single week. Yes, that certainly poisons the waters for any potential settlement. But I've been thinking about this, Clay, and they're boxed in. They're in a yeah. rock in a hard place. I mean, you're a Tennessee-trained lawyer. I don't know what defense at this point Rusty Harden and Deshaun Watson can put together. 22 different women making accusations. That's a bear. I, I mean, yeah. this is the kind of thing you normally see quietly or as quietly as possible settled as quickly as possible. That's what usually happens if you have something like this. I don't know what his defense could be to go through and make a factual claim on each and every one of these women in each and every one of these incidences that he can say he was on the right side of each of these interactions. I don't know how he does it. He is literally boxed in, and I think he has to settle it and make it go away. I agree, which makes saying they're liars makes the settlement that much more difficult. And also, it seems like it prolongs it in many ways because – Everything that they're doing is making the environment more antagonistic instead of trying to either stay quiet. And uh, and I do think that they tried to stay quiet initially, but then the number of women, I think they were stunned by them. Uh, I also think, Will, and I'm not sure if you've thought a lot about this, you know, when you are young and wealthy, there are a lot of people that will surround you, particularly in the world of athletics, and tell you, they're yes men, right? They're hype men. We've seen it throughout the history of athletics. Uh, there are very few truth tellers. And I wonder, the more and more I read about this case, Deshaun Watson, it seems to me, got really bad advice. Will, the first woman who came public wanted $100,000. That means they probably could have settled it for fifty k uh, or seventy five k or something. Literally something that, given Deshaun Watson's income, he would not even have known happened. And yet they decided to fight it, which is how this blew up. Even if they had not thought it was a legitimate claim, the, the, the hit to Deshaun Watson's reputation from a lawsuit like this being filed, presuming that he had, in fact, gotten a massage from her, is worth more than $100,000. And it's very difficult to prove, even in a case of he said, she said, that somebody's 100% not telling the truth. I just think Deshaun Watson's advisors, his lawyers early on, his agent – I think they all maybe were afraid to sit him down and explain where this was headed, where now his career is legitimately being threatened in many ways. So bad advice on three different fronts that I can think of. They're probably suffering from whiplash. So to your point in the beginning, it was probably a consideration of this is not that big a deal. This will go away. You don't pay this person. You didn't do anything wrong. And that's why he didn't settle. Now he's probably 180 degrees the other direction, worried that if he does settle, if he does go about trying to make this go away, 22 turns into 42. That, you know, if he, if, if it appears as though he's out there admitting yeah. wrongdoing and, and, and giving financial settlements, all of a sudden the number of masseuses that have claims doubles and triples because he clearly wasn't very, he didn't have a lot of discretion. He was very flagrant about this, allegedly, if we've got this many number of people doing so. And then, and then the last piece of bad advice you got is to your point of you never hear no when you're famous like this. He clearly lost sight, again, allegedly. I, I mean, I want to emphasize that over and over, and I know you appreciate that as well. I'm not, I'm not the, the fact finder in this. I'm not the jury. But um, he clearly wasn't ever told, you know, if this is true, hey, this is over the line. You need to be careful 
or to the extent that anyone knew, right? And if you've been doing this, you, you know, you need to shut this down. And I think at some point, Clay, early in this process, he was under the impression this isn't that big of a deal. And he had to have people around him telling him it's not that big of a deal, which is a lack of self-awareness, a lack of the client, and a clear lack of right and wrong, if it's true. Don't you also think that if you're advising this guy, it should be hard for him to have a hundred different masseuses? Like one of the first conversations you need to have in this situation with Deshaun Watson is, okay, man, she says that she was your private masseuse. Uh, I mean, I think this is one of the first questions I would have asked anyway, if I were representing him. How many private masseuses have you had? Right. And if he said a (laughs) hundred, yeah, if he said a hundred, I'd be like, Ooh, because the reason why I'm bringing that up is you know, then how many other women could come forward with a similar claim, right? The single most important question to me is, look, if Deshaun Watson says, man, you know what? I probably have, uh, have had three different women who've given me massages in my entire, you know, career as a Houston Texan. I would be like, okay, I don't think there's a lot we need to be worried about here, right? Because three different women, that's a reasonable number. If he says 100, my next question would have been 100. Uh, My next question, I think a lot of people out there listening also would have been, okay, how are you meeting all these women? And he was like, well, Mm -hmm. I was sending them direct messages on Instagram. I'd be like, "Uh uh-oh. So so I wonder on some level whether they had, you know, sort of the lawyer come to Jesus meeting with Deshaun Watson when this allegation was made because knowing what liability is out there is a big part of whether or not you might decide to privately get this deal taken care of. And given how much money Deshaun Watson has at stake and how young in his career it is, like having somebody tell him, hey, this is not a good situation. You can't put yourself out there again and again. You can't do this anymore. Uh, Would have maybe gone a long way towards reconciling and solving this situation and keeping it from blowing up in a huge way in a public fashion. And that's my point. In the beginning, he was acting like they were acting like this could only be one or two allegations. That's right. So that's right. You, you, but now I think their behavior suggests it is potentially a hundred. You know, now that you won't make it go away, I think their fear is how big is it? Because because if you settle with twenty two, you don't protect yourself from. 23 through 60, you know, and by the way, he doesn't know what the number is. It may be, he's never been able to communicate that. There was a story in, I read in the stories that he had reached out to the same masseuse twice. He, you know, there was a bad Didn't seem to even recognize that he had had contact with her before. Exactly. He reapproached her and she's like, yes, but it can't be like last time. And he was like, then he went radio silent. Like he didn't know he'd already had a massage from this person. Yeah, that's not, that's again, goes to the overall numbers that might be involved. And by the way, I don't know what, like, I understand the legal uh, angle that Tony Busby, the plaintiff's lawyer, is following here. Like, it's logical to me. And you know, as well as anybody uh, who's also practiced, like, you don't get to choose the decisions that your clients make, and they can put you in a really difficult spot. But I still haven't heard any sort of legal angle argument from Rusty Harden where I've been like, oh, you know what? I can see that. Like, Rusty Harden seemed to trot out. I'm sure you saw this, too. Like, hey, the reason why he had so many masseuses was because COVID was going on. And you're like, wait, that would actually – that's the exact opposite. Like, that would make you want to have as few as possible, right? And then he's like, well, he might have had as many as 150 massages last year. 
and I'm like a hundred, a hundred and every other day he got a massage. Like these are all bad facts. It doesn't seem to me that they have hit on a factual argument where you're like, okay, I could see that because as you well know, the way that people respond to cases is, is this a believable story or not? Right. Like, oh, I could see that. That seems like something reasonable. And that's oftentimes how juries make choices, because we all in our lives kind of have a sense for what's reasonable and what's not reasonable. And that often dictates who we believe and who we don't believe. Not only that, by the way, Will, his other defense was, well, yeah, these 22 women say they were sexually assaulted. But here's 18 other masseuses who say that Deshaun Watson didn't do anything to them. Which, you know, right. as a legal defense, first of all, it just admits how many different masseuses you had. But also, it's a little bit like somebody coming out and saying, well, he couldn't have committed murder because look at all these other people he didn't kill. Well, you as well as everybody out there knows that most people engaging in criminal conduct don't do it every day, all day long to <laughs> everyone that they are around. And a jury would never buy, like, hey, what's your murder defense uh, for this guy? Well, I'm just going to put on 25 guys who knew him that he didn't kill. You wouldn't be like, oh, this proves that he didn't kill that other person or that he didn't rob a bank or whatever it is. And so I just, I don't know, like, Rusty Harden seems to me like he is not helping his client in any way because his arguments all have either flaws that are pretty gargantuan or actually serve to undercut his client even more. Yeah, I think I said this one time in the past when we spoke, but I'm sure there are plenty of women out there who had perfectly nonviolent interactions with O.J. Simpson. That doesn't tell us a lot about what happened with Nicole Brown Simpson. That's right. That's right. And by the way, O.J. had his video up. I saw this uh, Wednesday discussing the Chauvin trial and hoping that the jury would reach uh, the right verdict, which is so off the wall, unbelievably, absurdly ironic. I don't even know what to say. Um, All right. So a couple of other big stories that are out here. I think this is massive. We're talking to Will Kane. Uh, you can watch him on Fox and Friends, 6 to 10 a.m. Eastern on uh, Saturday and Sunday. Also, he's got a podcast. You can search out that podcast. All these different NBA players have deals with two different Chinese companies, uh, and among them, Dwayne Wade. Obviously, I know who's retired, uh, but um, a lot of top players, Clay Thompson, D'Angelo Russell, uh, the, the uh, Jimmy Butler. The list is pretty wrong, long, and we wrote about that. It's also wrong, as I was about to say. Um, but all these NBA players are out there saying, hey, we care about social justice. We stand for uh, important things in this country. Chinese sneaker companies will, and I, I, it, it blows my mind this is the case. Nike came out and said, hey, we're not going to use cotton produced by slave labor from Muslim concentration camps in China. And Nike, to their credit, that's obviously the right side of, uh, of history, so to speak. They got crushed in China. And these two Chinese mm-hmm. sneaker companies came out and said, not that they were going to cease using and said, we are intentionally going to use slave labor cotton in our shoes. How dare you say something bad about the Chinese government? And the NBA and all these players are making millions of dollars off of these sneaker deals that are truly being produced with slave labor. And almost no one in the media is asking them questions. Almost no one in the media is even raising it as a worthy topic of discussion. Why do you think that is? And how absurdly hypocritical is it for NBA players to literally be playing in basketball games 
in slave labor produced sneakers? Okay, I'll answer those in reverse order. Um, how absurdly hypocritical is it? It is it is insanely hypocritical. Um, now, I know what they would argue back to you. I know most of the people in defense of the NBA players would say, they would say, look, their primary their primary objective, their primary priority in life is to help social justice in the United States of America. And they can't go around the world trying to solve all of the world's social justice issues, handle the ones in your own backyard. And for NBA players, at the top of that priority list are issues concerning African Americans. That's what they would say, right? And that's how they would justify it to themselves as well. And that's fine. All that means is you're not particularly, you're not making a particularly principled stand. You're not truthfully, you know, all about the easy way to say it is you care about social justice when it either helps you or helps your paycheck, right? Well, that's the second part I want to get to. The first part. The first part is if we're being charitable, then they first have to admit you only care about social justice when it impacts you or your direct community. But then we get to the more hypocritical part of this is, but you're taking, you're not just picking and choosing which of these battles to fight. You're not just doing that. You're not ignoring what's happening in the Middle East, right? It's not simply that. You're actually taking money and doing business deals with the people violating those exact principles you say that you are fighting for. Even though it's somewhere else and far away, you're now willing participant in those exact same crimes. You're taking money. And so that's where it gets to the height of absurdity. And it's not just good enough to say, well, it's not in my backyard and I have priorities of things that occur in my backyard. By the way, there's also scale. There's nothing in the United States that they're fighting for in the social justice front that's even close to slave labor. So we can also just point out the absurdity on scale here, you know, Um, but... Yeah, the, then your second question was, why doesn't the media do away with why, why, why it? Or just uh, question about it. Just hold them accountable yeah. for this perspective, which is supposedly the job because, of the media, right? Because they're in bed with stars, because star access is the most important thing in this business. It's absolutely friendly relationships with stars is the most important thing in the NBA. That's the bottom line, you know, and. And so you go along to get along. And plus, probably these NBA writers also, it, it's far away. They're, they're like, it's far away. It's in China. It doesn't. It doesn't. It, drive, it doesn't drive clicks. It doesn't drive virtue. It doesn't make me popular with any audience. It doesn't do anything for me. In fact, it uh-huh. does the opposite. It makes me unpopular. This is Outkick the coverage with Clay Travis. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. O'Reilly Auto Parts. You know, o o o O'Reilly, who are in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offer friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free, in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you find just the right battery for your vehicle. When you're a do-it-yourselfer and need a specialty tool, to finish the job, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and ask about their loaner tool program. Simply pay a refundable deposit and borrow the right tool, then get your deposit back when it's returned. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you'll find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts are knowledgeable, helpful, and best of all, friendly. The professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts are your one-stop shop for all things auto do-it-yourself and you can find what you need in-store or online. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at OReillyAuto.com slash 2pros. That's OReillyAuto.com slash 2pros.
Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. You make every play, you call every shot, from choosing trusted financial products to deciding how much and how long to invest, GameBridge puts the power in your hands. No wonder they've earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. They give you the tools you need to save and grow your money with reliable returns and take charge of your financial future. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. So change the game. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to do That's my That's my dance, <laughs> Hey, it's Jonas Knox. You've put it off long enough. It's time to replace your tires. Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. Touring tires for commuter comfort. Performance tires for sporty handling. All-terrain tires for on- and off-road adventure. Go to TireRack.com to get started. Not sure where to begin? Use the Tire Decision Guide to get a personalized tire recommendation. The right tires for how, what, and where you drive. Choose from the full line of Goodyear tires. Shipped fast and free to a recommended install near you or choose the convenience of mobile tire installation they'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site it doesn't get much easier than that go to tirerackcom sports to see their goodyear test results tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers great tires and a great deal what more could you ask for that's tirerackcom sports tirerack.com the way tire buying should be let me just kind of jump back into uh, the Derek Chauvin, George Floyd trial that was just completed and announced the verdict on yesterday. Um, and my position, I'm putting my lawyer hat on here for you right now. My position is that in an ideal world, right? Ideal United States world, I should say, but I think it's true for the world at large too. But I know the United States judicial system uh, because I'm a licensed attorney in a couple of different jurisdictions right now. In an ideal world, your race, your religion, your ethnicity, your sexuality, whatever identity politics defines you won't matter in a court of law because the goal in every courtroom, lawyers, judges, and hopefully jurors too, is to treat everyone the same and make decisions entirely based on the three things that matter the most. The facts, the facts, the facts. And I believe that our American judicial system is far from perfect. 
but I also believe it's the best in the world. And I also believe that the evidence is quite clear that in each century that America has been a country, our judicial system has gotten better. 1800s, 1900s, 2000s, late 1790s after the United States had become a country for the first time and defeated the British, and now into the 21st century. A lot of people out there are not optimists. I understand that. It's easy to find flaw with virtually everything that exists in the world and try to tear it down. What I have tried to do with the show consistently, as we have had an incredibly tumultuous year, is fight for sports to exist, which we fought harder for sports to exist on this program than any program in all of in the entire sports industry. And we won, and sports came back, and we've done it safely. And I fight every single day on this show to try to treat everybody the exact same. Now, I understand that some people don't like that. Some people believe that you should be treated differently. Uh, I don't. I look at this as... The only way the United States can truly flourish going forward is if all of us are treated the exact same, just like we do in sports. And that is why I think sports is such an important battleground in the country right now. Because whether you're white, black, Asian, Hispanic, boy, girl, gay, straight, rich, or poor, when you step between the lines in a sporting event, the goal is for you to be treated the exact same as everybody else competing. And I think sports is not perfect. We know that. But I think sports does a pretty good job of treating every single person the same. And I think about that a lot now because I've aged out of playing sports myself. But you know what I did last night? I coached Little League Baseball for three hours. Uh, From 5 o'clock, three and a half hours actually. From 5 o'clock when I finished my television show until 8.30 three and a half hours I was locked in coaching nine and ten year old kids um, and to me sports gets much of our nation right the best man or the best woman wins ideally you compete within the rules and all of the officials and all the coaches and all the players know what the rules are and we try to apply them fairly And I believe that our judicial system tries to do the same thing. And so I am an optimist. I believe that over time, our judicial system is getting better. I think we're better now than we were in the 1700s. I think we're better now than we are in the 1800s. I think we're better now than we were in the 1900s, 2000s. And I think now that we're into the 21st century, I believe America is going to get better I believe we are going to triumph over our new foe. We're not going to stop having challenges in this country. We're not going to stop having difficult moments. We're not going to stop having difficult conversations. But I believe that over time, both sports and America bend towards justice and righteousness and equality for all. I really do believe it. And I think the story of American history is a triumphant one because that has been the truth throughout our decades and several hundred years now as a country. And I hope that we can come together and use sports as a unifying factor going forward and not as a factor designed to divide people. Certainly been a divisive past several years. I think sports is best when a team scores, 
your team wins and you're in a stadium or arena and you look around and give a high five and you don't think about the race, gender, religion, or ethnicity of everybody around you, sports at its best unifies. It does not divide. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Hey, it's Jonas Knox. The best athletes don't just play the game, they change it. When it comes to investing, GameBridge is doing the same. Their online platform does things differently because it's designed to put you in charge of growing your own savings. It's intuitive, it's easy, and best of all, it's on your terms. No wonder GameBridge has earned the trust of 40% repeat customers. It's a better way to invest because it's investing your way. Get started today with as little as $1,000 at GameBridge.io. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. 